This is the Mavericks in Motion podcast. I am your host, Shari Teigman, mindset coach and creative business strategist, and I am here to share with you the Mavericks of the world and pull the curtain back to teach you what it takes to have the mindset of a maverick. Welcome to another episode of Mavericks in Motion with me, Shari Teigman. Today's guest is someone that I honestly can't describe, uh, so I'm gonna keep this intro short, other than I'm gonna tell you that if you've heard a lot of cliches about cultivating a positive attitude, but you're not sure if any of them are true, does a positive attitude really guarantee success in life? Does everything have to be perfectly aligned for us to be able to live a happy life? I think that today's guest, Alvin Law, will change your mind a bit about what is possible in terms of positivity, happiness, choosing a maverick life, and changing really your attitude regardless of what you're handed in life. So Alvin was born with no arms as a result of the drug thalidomide, and he was adopted by a family who taught him how to use his feet for hands. And by doing so, he says they gave him the gift of freedom. He's a professional speaker, a trained broadcaster, a fundraiser, award-winning musician, a best-selling author, He's going to blow you away. Um, His take on life, and especially because this is a podcast and you're not watching the video, you'll be blown away by this person even if he did have regular arms. But then when you remember while he's speaking that he's actually someone who uses his feet for everything. He eats with his feet. He drives with his feet. He was pressing buttons on his phone on the interview with his feet. You won't believe your eyes and ears. So with no further ado, I'm going to introduce you to Alvin Law. See you in the episode. Welcome back to another episode of Mavericks in Motion podcast. Today I have a guest who I've been watching for a while and I'm very honored and a little fangirly about having him on, which he'd probably laugh at because he's a regular person. And one of the things I speak about on here is regular people, but um, I look for inspiration in a lot of places and Alvin fits so many inspirational elements for me. And that's rare because I'm kind of a jaded New Yorker. So I want to welcome Alvin Law to the show. Welcome Alvin. As you guys heard his bio beforehand, we're going to skip the stuffy bio stuff and we're going to actually get into Alvin as a person. So thank you for joining me and giving me the honor of interviewing you. No, I'm, I'm, I was so flattered by your, by your invitation. And you know, I think what's really interesting is you said something really important already. I am just a real guy. You know what? Uh, I, I have, however, I've accepted the idea that if I want to take my message beyond my neighborhood, I have to be willing to put the story out there in public. And my wife jokes that the only thing I like better than a microphone is one with a camera attached to it. So we have both. I love it. I love it. So unnatural. You were actually born for this. So what I like to do things differently, as I'm sure you're not remotely surprised. So what people would probably start with is the story of the little boy born without arms. And this is with all due respect, it's actually with extra respect that I'm going to start with the opposite because I don't think that defines you. I think who you are defines you. I was born with arms and no one seems to give a shit one way or another. So it's what we want to make of life, how that maverick road goes when that Decision happens in your mind, and as we were just talking before we hit record, which I probably would have forgotten to hit record because we were having a great conversation, I'm like, oh, wait, we're here for a reason, although Alvin and I are going to have coffee in New York eventually, Um, is I think that the decision to have a different life is a wonderful, very motivational movie moment 
And then that's not actually what life look like, looks like. There's the hardship of sticking with that decision. There's the what if it doesn't work, doubt and overwhelm of what if everyone else in the world doesn't agree with my big mission that I have imaginary by myself in my bed at night. So I'm curious and we will go backwards, but I wanna start with this incarnation of Alvin. Um, what is it that you see your maverick mission in this world to be? Are you still there? There we go. Yep, perfect. No, I turned off my phone, I thought, but I guess I didn't. I just had a call. I apologize. No worries. Actually, I did that with my foot. So I was actually trying to figure out how do I, how do I stop my phone from ringing? Um, ask the question again. I apologize. That was sure, my no bad. problem. So in this incarnation of Alvin, what do you think that the maverick mission for you in the world as besides what people want to assume about you, which we'll get to later, what is it that you want to get across to the world? I happen to love your message, which is why I'm starting with that. And then we'll go to the regular stuff. You know, it's really funny. Uh, I, I'm Canadian and I only say that because there is a, a joke index about the humility of Canada. They're like nice New Yorkers, close. everyone. For If you haven't met a Canadian, it's without the edge and with a lot of heart and soul. Absolutely. In fact, just one quick sidebar to that. My first trip ever to New York was to be on the Joan Rivers show oh. when she had a daytime talk show. I love And that. I was hit with two whammies at the exact same time the city of New York and Joan Rivers. And I was, oh, I was so overwhelmed by the energy because I had never been in that environment before, but I learned something from that. And that is that I'm from a small town in rural Canada and I know we'll get there, but I even remember thinking this, and this is going back into the late eighties, that I was destined for bigger things like New York. And not because I had no arms, but because of the forward thinking that I always had in my head. I feel as if the world is constantly catching up to me. And I, and I don't say that because I'm some genius. I think because of what I've surveyed about humanity, about the way that I've been treated, and not letting that make me jaded, I've been able to survive all of the things that have gone on. And, and I still think, believe it, quite frankly, I love the honesty today because we're going to get honest today. So many people mistake challenges in their life as a bad thing. Oh, yes. That's the number one flaw in people's uh, ideas. In fact, uh, you know, it's really funny. Uh, Michelle Obama's book just came out, and I was doing another interview with somebody just last week about the same subject. And the idea that in her book, she says a lot of things. I haven't read it yet. But the idea that, to paraphrase that wonderful woman, struggle can sometimes be a really good thing, can't it? But I think a lot of times we believe that we're going to get to our dream place in life without a single bump in the road. And that's the most stupid thing I've ever heard in my entire life. It's, it's so impossible that it's the worst way to dream because it doesn't even mean anything. And I'm not saying everything always has to be adversity, but um, I'm a big believer, and I'm sure we'll get into this, that I, I think only psychopaths don't have fear personally. So <laughs> but if you alchemize the fear and alchemize that doubt and overwhelm of the world versus me, and you lean into it and it's active surrender and the excitement of the maverick life of how big can I be? What else can I do? Who else can I be really? Then that fear drives you. That fear motivates you to say, oh, that's excitement. Oh, this means I hit on something outside of my comfort zone. I'm already outside of what I'm expected to do. That's personally when I get happy and excited, like, oh, no one's been here before, game on. <laughs> that's right. And I think the irony of that is, and this is going again to a very honest place, 
there's a difference between being a celebrity and having accomplished nothing in your life and becoming a celebrity because of what you've achieved. And I think that's the crossroads in our American society in particular that I'm very concerned about. You know, there was a study came out a few years ago and I still use this when I talk to young people and I'm not surprised by it. And by the way, I don't think it's, it's, it's nothing wrong with being famous, but what's the number one thing you want to be when you grow up? Famous. I'm not sure where that came from. I believe it's because kids in particular have been seduced by the idea that if you're famous, you get everything you want in your life. There's more screwed up famous people on the planet than anything of any other category. And I don't think people quite understand that. So that was part of what I was worried about is if I go down this pathway, not to fame like, you know, uh, a Kardashian. Enemy. I was about to say, we're all thinking the same thing here, people. Yeah, well, I'm glad I'm not the only one. But to be recognized that, you know, you, if you're going to put your, your story out there, um, not only does it have to be legitimate, but I also believe, too, that people have become a little bit cynical, and if I can do the air quotes without arms, of the motivational speaker or yeah. the self-help book or even a show like yours. Right? How can we become successful simply by listening to a podcast? It's not about a 60-minute podcast. It's about a lifestyle that leads you to want to improve your life, no matter what the outcomes that you're shooting for, because you know that you can be better than you are today. Absolutely. And I, and I think it's also, I love the point. I'm, I'm a mom of two teenage boys and I watch it and I'm lucky my kids are not like that, but I watch the passivity of today's um, world. And we had the same thing when we were growing up of, you know, those child stars who were celebrities and then drug overdose, died young, in jail, they've got nothing. So, but because of the media today, it's so much more obvious to watch the decline, you know, eating popcorn live on reality television show. It's this passivity of life. Well, if I just sit back, everyone will send me everything. I don't actually have to be or do anything, which I'm not going to say they're not famous, but there's no legacy. There's no meaning. And I'm a big believer in intrinsic motivation. If I'm driven to something from in here, Everyone else can come along from what they get out of it, but I will be unstoppable because it's about me and me only. Well, I'll give you a really good example since we're covering now versus then, but my entire journey of my life has been based on a very simple idea. And that is when someone says, oh, I'm different. I've always questioned that because I'll often say different than what? Mm -hmm. And they'll say different than normal. And I'll say, well, I'm normal. normal. Say, I don't yeah. actually believe in normal. <laughs> well, neither do I, because I'd love to know what the normal that we're comparing things to is. If you grow up in, uh, we were in Uganda a couple of years ago. If you grew up in rural Uganda and you have uh, the, the, the imagery that we see, by the way, of Africa is very much misunderstood. Uh, I don't know if you've been to Africa. It's just an example where we think that a place, and I only have Uganda as a point of reference personally, is everyone's starving. Nobody has a roof over their head. All the kids have distended bellies and every child in the world doesn't wear shoes. Well, I meet this woman who's got a beautiful little three-year-old girl running around at this ceremony that I was attending. And I had to tell her, you know, I said, I've seen this commercial in Canada complaining because this little girl doesn't have enough money to buy shoes. Well, this beautiful black Ugandan woman laughed out loud and said, try to get her to wear them. And by the way, have you seen our red clay mud? It does nothing but stain shoes. I can wash their feet. I can't wash their shoes. Now, that sounds like a New York mom to me. It does. It doesn't sound like a Ugandan mom, yet we would say, oh, they're different because they're, they're black. I, I, I understand that concept for some people, but it's never worked for me because our normal is the only thing we know. And, and you know what we tell people 
in other countries like that, what our life is, they look at us like we're out of our minds. Like, why would you want that? You're all so unhappy. You're always striving for more. You know, the simplicity and the different meaning of everything really changes what that normal gauges. And because in an incredible way, you were given this life that's a gift. And because like you said, because of how you were treated, that was never on the table. So you had to make this whatever you wanted it to be, which frankly, not to diminish what you've experienced, everybody does, but if they all look the same, they assume they have to sit, play this the same rules. So for people who have born, been born looking like everyone else, we then have to, by choice, like the hidden mavericks have to then step out of what society wants, redefine it, and then you get looked at where you got the, the running start here, so to speak. <laughs> well, and I also believe, quite frankly, that a lot of, you know, you call it hidden mavericks. I love that. I believe that their biggest flaw, and I've had this and I'm still working on it, is not having enough confidence in themselves to understand their gut is probably right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so you have been a maverick all of your life. At, was there any point where you realized you were a maverick or you were just mavericking, which is now a verb in my head? I love that. I, 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 don't, I didn't think I was doing anything other than being Alvin. And, and that, I've always said that. It's a wonderful little marketing line, but it really is who I am. I'm just Alvin. I used to hate that name. Yeah. But you know, now I recognize that that's a lot of what people remember. They remember about me, not because just that I have no arms and I use my feet, but the kind of mindsets that I've always had always told me, you know, hey, just trust your gut, buddy. Uh, was it easy? Of course not. I went through the typical adolescent angst. I went through typical young person confusion. You know, I, I tried to follow the game plan. I have a 33-year-old son from a failed marriage because, you know, everybody was getting married. So, geez, I guess I should get married. But rather than raise, you do? Then ra I have the badge, raise, yes. There you go. <laughs> but rather than raise my own bar, in the most important category of all, and that is relationships, I made a mistake. I didn't see myself in a confident way because at 20 plus years old, I didn't have a confidence in myself in the you know machismo index. I mean, it's funny here in 2018, especially because of the Me Too movement, which I believe was extremely important to come out. But the one concern I have, and we can talk about this more if you like, uh, the one concern that I have is that it's, it's, it's all women-based. I think we have to balance the story and realize that, frankly, those dickheads like Weinstein deserve to have their balls cut off. Agreed. But the fact of the matter is, we're not all Harvey Weinsteins. And I think the problem is most men need to realize that masculinity is not based on the size of your biceps. Yeah. It's based on who you are as a human being. And that, to me, might be anti-maverick because I think a lot of people think mavericks are, you know, in your face and I don't give a shit and I'm going to say whatever's on my mind and if you don't like it, screw you. There are mavericks out there. You've got a president that is one. But the fact of the matter is mavericks are people that don't follow the status quo. And that's and exactly that for me why it's maverick versus rebel because yeah. a rebel will go against the sky is black. No, it's white. Even if you know it's black. You know, if you live, and I'm not saying there's not times where the Maverick Rebel thing crosses over, exhibit A over here, um, but it's to rebel for what I believe in, not just to rebel for the sake of rebellion. And it's interesting you brought the masculinity thing up because I agree with you is the Mavericks are not always the loud extroverted ones like you and I are naturally. Um, I think when you own your space, there's just more space around us, so we utilize it. But I'm not here to prove anyone wrong. I really couldn't care less. If you think you're right and you're happy with where you are, 
God bless you. I high five you and continue on my road. Um, But the masculinity thing in today's society, me too being a highlighted aspect, but I interviewed someone a couple of years ago on my other podcast. um, And he was saying how statistically, and I'll screw up the facts, so don't hold me to it. Something like men's masculinity from a physical perspective, their testosterone has dropped. Men in today's society with empowered women and so many different messages have no idea what it means. They don't know what's okay. They don't know how to behave. It's not okay to be sensitive and vulnerable where you and I know that's not the case. Um, Not maverick or the case. It's definitely not um, being authentically you. So it's like, and I'm raising two boys myself. So I see it is what is okay for you to feel? You know, this machismo doesn't fit anywhere anymore. You know, you have these very empowered women who are sure of what they want and men aren't allowed to speak up like that. It's a very strange kind of world, which is why I think you and I believe in Maverick so naturally because it's not about what everyone else thinks and it's not about that measuring stick, biceps, dick, or minds, all of the above, but it's more, what are your values? What are your morals? What are you driven by? What makes your blood boil and what makes your heart swell up? And just go with that. Man, women, like I always say, I couldn't care less what someone has in between their legs. It's like, what drives them? What does their heart sing? You know, and especially today in the trans world that speaks to that as well is like, whoever you want to be, just be it. It doesn't have to be in defiance of somebody else. I spoke at a high school not too long ago that had four young men in the front row uh, three of them were wearing dresses. One was wearing a very, very flamboyant outfit, and they're all trans. Now, what's very interesting to me, and I have, I've done a little bit of research on this because I speak to so many schools in my work. I was talking to a principal who's been around this and watched that change over 30 years, going from where we never talked about people being gay in school to where now it's, <clears throat> I was at a junior high school last week in Edmonton, Canada, where they actually have a LGBTQ club in a junior high. Who would have thought of that even 10 years ago? Yeah. But problem is, do we understand a trans person or are we just kind of saying, you know what? I'm not going to go there. I disagree with it. Let them be who they are. I agree with that. Except here's the trouble. Most people formulate an opinion, not based on fact, but what their algorithm is telling them on their Facebook page. A thousand we don't learn what their limited view from their box will allow them to see the limited view of someone else's box or categorize them as check. They are this, this, and this. Okay, great. Now I know where to put them in our mind. That's right. So not to, not to, to, to change your roadmap of your interview here, but I've often said, and by the way, you're going to think I'm making this up. My mother was the first maverick in my life. Love and it. if you called her that, she would have looked at you like you had two heads. Because most mavericks don't think of themselves that way. Correct. Right? They just think of themselves maybe as odd, but more than anything as that maybe sometimes, and maybe it works, I don't know, that the more they stir the pot or make waves, the more that they will be successful. If that works for you, keep doing that. I have hidden under the radar all the way along because I didn't need to make the noise. I knew that sooner or later, time would catch up with me. Now, would I wish that it happened sooner? No, I don't think it works that way. You know, back to one other thing I already mentioned. And by the way, I am not trying to trash Donald Trump. I mean, no, I actually posted a blog not too long after he got elected saying that, you know what? Let's hope he does well because America needs to be confident in itself again and it needs to be a good economy. The trouble is you can't just be a dick and expect to get away with it because everyone thinks, oh, that's okay, be that way. Uh, I've never, ever ever strayed far from the core values of what I've had 
from the time that I was little till, till today at 58 years old. They've stayed really consistent. But here's the difference. When I know I had to change my point of view about something, I changed it. And I think that's also what Mavericks do is recognize they've got to trust their own opinion, but they've got to be willing to listen to others so they can learn and grow and be a better person in the Maverick. And I completely agree. Well, I agree with everything, but what I really like that you just said was the last piece is listening to others. And again, because a Maverick is natural and you, you hit the nail on the head, most Mavericks don't realize they are until everyone else kind of points out and be like, oh, I hadn't noticed. I was just so busy being me. I hadn't noticed what you were. I wasn't looking. Um, and I think for most of us, it is through that either adversity or landing in some place that doesn't feel right, whether it's a marriage or a job or a country or a belief system or religion, you look around and say, uh, no, this isn't for me. And then picking yourself up and listening to that gut, choosing something different, not to be disruptive, although sometimes it is disruptive, but more because I need this for me. If anyone wants to come along, cool. I'm not looking to create a movement. And what I love is your tagline is you're not a label is even the maverick is just a fact. It's not, we are the mavericks and we, you know, piss on everyone else. No, sometimes we walk alone. Sometimes we band together. Many of us are introverted. Many of us are extroverted. There are times in our life ebbs and flows that we need that quiet recharge of just being by ourselves to click back into those morals and values and say, you know what? The world is a really crazy place and I can't be vigilanting all day long trying to fix anything because that's not what it's about. It doesn't, that's not where the waves get made. Like you said perfectly, I wait for the world to catch up with me rather than fighting against the current. What's it going to do? You'll be exhausted and nothing will change. Well, they had a, last night, just a current event. Last night, uh, because I actually have a friend of mine who's in Paris right now and he, I got a note from him saying, you wouldn't believe what's happening in downtown Paris tonight. They had riots that were initiated by a bunch of hooligans who, under the cloak of, of, of the protest being about high gas prices. I mean, can you imagine, they're gonna, they're gonna get the government to change gas prices by, by disrupting downtown Paris, by breaking windows, by throwing Molotov cocktails. I understand the idea, and especially America was built on, on, on a lot of wars and a lot of, of stuff that kind of went along the violence side. And I get why people are mad. I get when the Me Too movement came out, it was mad. When Black Lives Matter, I get that people are mad. And I understand the anger. But I got to tell you, since we're being candid on this interview, anger solves nothing. Correct. Ever did, never will. And I think people miss the point that you can change things by being a quiet person for some. I mean, let's be honest. It's got to fit you. Right. Uh, let me tell you, one of the greatest Mavericks I ever met in face to face, and I'm not name dropping here, but I was speaking in Singapore at a business summit and I met Steve Wozniak. Mm. Now, Steve Wozniak and, of course, Steve Jobs created Apple. Now, I don't know if you've seen the movies or if you've ever met the guy in person. Steve Wozniak looks like he should be eating at, K at Walmart <laughs> McDonald's. You would cross the street if you see these guys in person. Yeah. Exactly. The guy wears New Balance cheap runners. I think he eats people. If I didn't know who he was. <laughs> but here's, here's a maverick. Someone that said, I'm going to do something. Yeah. Of course, this is going way back in time. But the point is, most mavericks, and I think you can agree with this one, maybe you disagree too, they don't look like it. Agreed. I think there's people that are, that are fakers. They think they're going to be a game changer. But the people that really, really, really change things are people that are kind of a little bit under the radar. And if there's people watching this and, and listening, thinking, what do I need to be? This is what Change the Label's about. Be your authentic self. Be willing to listen to people, want to make you better, 
or they'll chastise you for what they don't like about you, but never stray far from the authentic self. Because to me, that's how this all takes place. Gorgeous. I completely agree. And I know you're not surprised by that. And what I love uh, is I think most Mavericks, the one thing we all have in common is like I said earlier, but we only notice when we turn around and people are watching what we're doing with wonderment and be like, Oh, this isn't, I, I, I'm not doing this for you. I'm just being, and being is a really hard thing to do. It is hard to slow down the anger, slow down the disruption, not try to fix other people, not try to be heard and push your way, even when you're not, you know, even if it's just internal, to fight and rage against the machine, which many people are very unhappy. We do live in a world of a lot of disruption and a lot of unrest and a lot of unfairness. And it is hard not to think you have to go out there loudly, but you're right. It doesn't change anything. And if everyone was a little more authentically maverick and whatever that is, the individual aspect of each person, that collective would be just so much more powerful because we're not meant to march in line, even if it's in the direction that we want to go in. Well, and to be quite honest about that too, I think what might be a good thing, there's a little tiny good thing in this idea. And that was I, what I love about it is that, you know, you start to realize that your values are aligned with a lot of other people. But what scares me about the modern day methodology that we're using, especially again, I'm not, you know, you talk about a truth. I am still struggling to kind of play the social media game. You know, I find it very, very difficult. But well, because you and I don't believe in the label, but then social media is the highlight reel. So it's like, well, wait, which one is it? Is it my perfect hair and makeup and exactly what people want to hear from me? Or if you post the real stuff, oh, they're complaining, they're moaning, they're just doing it for attention. It is a really, it's counterintuitive to yes. those of us who just do our thing and don't care. But you're right. Like you said earlier, it's about reaching more people. So we kind of have to play the game to a degree. Yeah, and to be honest with you, playing the game really does, I think, at, at the end of the day, this is all going to turn around in, a, in another cycle. You know, we're all going to learn from this. We're all going to move to the next platform. But at the end of the day, what I hope people understand is you cannot make a friend in this format. We're meeting today online. I hope we meet face-to-face -face someday because to be quite blunt about this, that's where my age shows. Yeah, I understand. I'm 58, and I have a really hard time understanding why we have to constantly being Instagramming, why we have to constantly being Twittering, why we constantly, and I, and I think I have a theory about this that's going to sound old. That's why I premised it this way. I think so many people that even are mavericks are profoundly insecure. Oh, for sure. And that's what bothers me is we think we're going to gain security by the number of people that are following us on Facebook, by the number of people that we have on Instagram. I just think that's such a shallow premise that it doesn't have legs. And that's why we continue to see problems with things like bullying online and things like intimidation by using social media. And even again, I hate to keep bringing this up because I'm, I'm not trying to bash politics because I think we have to have politicians. But you know, since when does the head of state tweet his or her opinion to the public? I, I, I'm having a really hard time well, understanding. I, I would agree with you. I would agree with anyway. you. Interesting. I, I completely agree. So now let's go back a bit. What do you think was a pinnacle moment for you? Because I mean, everyone, I'm going to add the link to the Goldcast interview, which just blew me away. Um, the instrument really blew me away. You know, I can make decisions and observations about you from the video, but I, I would rather hear from you. Um, sure. 
you know, we can all summarize our lives in a couple of paragraphs to, to, to put on our, you know, on our, on our final uh, post there. I'm curious for you, what would the story of Alvin Law be if you could tell it from start to finish? We're not finished yeah, I, until now. Yeah, no, I hear you. Uh, and, 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 you know, it is funny because here's another example where when it was happening, it never occurred to me it was a story. Exactly. It was my life. But it is a great story. And I think that's why Goalcast contacted me, not because I have a better story or not because I have a worse story. You know, one of the lines I use in my talk, especially the kids, is today is not about who has the crappiest life wins the prize. There's lots of crappy lives out there. And I would never, ever suggest that my story is an easy one to follow for other people, like a roadmap, because there's no roadmap. There is no roadmap. You, you know, I know you're trying to educate and coaches try to, to stimulate and, 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 you know, change people's habits. Those are not the same category of what we're talking about today. What I have to talk about, even though it's in the bio, is exactly why it's vital to my story. Because I was born as a result of a drug called thalidomide, thalidomide itself in 1960 was starting to have its own stigma. Mm -hmm. Society was very different in 1960. Pregnant women would take pharmaceuticals to help morning sickness, as they did in this case, because they didn't know any better. They ended up becoming the moms to over 20,000 babies worldwide who survived. Over 250,000 babies actually died when their mothers took this morning sickness medication. And of course, if this was you know, 2018 media, we would be all over the press for months at a time. This didn't even hit the radar screens until the numbers started climbing. The point of that is that everybody talks about the babies or the children or whoever you want to monetize here as being the victims. Yeah. I understand that. I guess I was a victim. I guess, I guess. I don't know. I honestly don't know. My conclusion is the moms were the victims because the moms were adult, clear thinking human beings who had to cope with this disaster that took place in their personal lives. Yeah, for the rest and of the time, thinking that choice that they made, absolutely. Absolutely, and, and as a bit of a sidebar, I just wanna tell you again, another currency. I, I, I actually had to dry my eyes before I started this interview because I was watching a TV news here in Calgary and they were doing a little story to finish the newscast about a mall here in Calgary that opens on a Sunday morning, three hours early, so they can uh, have the Santas, or Santa meet all of the kids who come with autism or with, uh, with special needs that, that can't communicate. And the mall can be very noisy, very, very too much light. I'm watching this going, can you imagine being the mother or father of one of these children? You know, we always look at the child and go, oh, that poor child. What about the parents? What about the grandparents? What about the neighbors? What about the brothers and sisters? That was a huge part of thalidomide because the other family were affected. Yeah. My birth family, and this is where it gets dramatic, there's no question it's trauma, I was homeless when I was also five days old because my birth family chose not to take me home. And you know, it's interesting you shook your head like that because that's what everybody does. Everyone goes, oh, I just so find sad. you so amazing. And in my head is saying, well, I guess some people would see me as a victim. Yeah. You look around society and it's not a judgment, it's a mindset, but the amount exactly. of victimhood there is, and I'm looking, for those of you watching on video, you see what I'm looking, you've watched the video. There's a man in front of you with no arms looking at a woman in front of me. And I bet you there've been times in my life I felt much more like a victim than Alvin does. And it's just, sure. it's magnificent for you. It's, not for me. it's embarrassing. And, that's why you. And thank you for the reflection. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. And the reason I mentioned you're shaking your head is because that segment gets the same reaction all over the world when I tell this story on stage. 
but that but but I'm not trying to be a stage person now. That's reality. Yeah. Now one could say that's so sad. On its own, that's sad. But to me, this is part of what we're trying to teach people. If we focus on the sad event, we'll have more sad events. My story is very simple. I was put in a foster home, and unlike the bad foster homes, and there's some out there, to be honest about this, I hit the jackpot. Not only did I land in a wonderful foster home, but I landed in one with mid-50-year-old foster parents. That's actually quite common because a lot of mid-50s or mid-40s people become foster parents when their children leave home or they've, they've got a, a real belief for taking care of, of especially special needs kids. My mom took me in not because she was trying to start another family. She'd already raised her family, thank you very much. But her mindset going in, this might sound a bit harsh, was not to feel sorry for me because that wasn't her job. I love her that. job as a foster mom was to push every possible envelope of what I could do. But this was 1960. It's not like we could go, Siri, what do we do? Exactly. Right? So this was on my mom. But why I mention it is not to get started at the beginning of my story, but to explain why I have the mindset that I do. Because I was never allowed to be a victim in my house, so I never felt like one. I was never allowed to use having no arms as an excuse, so I just didn't. And as you mentioned earlier, before we got on, on the air here, I had to take out the garbage, yeah. you know, in my teeth. I had to mow the lawn with my chest. I had to shovel snow in a Canadian winter with my chest. My father was a hard ass. I wonder how many of your listeners have hard ass parents and think, well, why didn't I get the nice parents? Well, guess what? Most of the kids who today suffer from resiliency skills got not only the nice parents, but got the pushover parents who can't stand up for themselves and say, no, you can't, or you're going to do it my way. We lost that old school value system. Yeah. And I, I'm not going to apologize. That's why I believe at my age, I'm still as solid as a human being as I am because resiliency does not come from paving the way. Resiliency comes from getting over those bumps. And sometimes those bumps can seem like a brick wall that's 20 feet high. Well, you know what? Everyone gets a brick wall. What are you going to do about it? Sit there and complain and stick a cup out and say, give me money with yeah. due respect. Or are you going to figure out a way to climb over that wall? I climbed the wall without arms. So how did I do that? Well, that's the story. You are just incredible. Not because of the no arms. You're just incredible. That's a bonus. So when I speak to a lot of Mavericks, um, whether through physical adversity, through emotional turmoil, whatever their resiliency is built for, and I am one of these people as well, I think one of the struggles that a lot of us have is the victim mentality that does exist. The people who look for excuses rather than reasons to move forward. The people who struggle seeing outside of where they are. So where for you who travels all over the world and has a, a wonderful wife, we'll get up to that in a bit, um, who works with you. So it's really the duo of you making all of this happen. I'm not going to say, I, I won't speak for you to say you don't have compassion for it, but I can imagine from that strong-willed place of intolerance for anything less than incredible behavior from people who are able or unable and can become is as humans we have the choice so where does it fit in your mind honestly that i mean i'll just call it what it is the frustration of like if everyone would just stop bitching and moaning we could actually change the world how do you find a place for that in your own life when you want to say like do you not see me i'm not moaning what are you moaning about and again not to take away people's stories and all that but where do you think that mindset shift is and how do you balance it when you are out there speaking in the world, impacting people who are just shaking their head and clucking in the audience and then go moan in the parking lot again? 
So if you were to live in my head for a couple of days, you'd probably get really tired of all the idealism. Uh, <laughs> I have a very idealistic personality, but I also couple that with a very, very down to earth, you know, wheels on the ground philosophy that if you're spending all your time trying to change all the dickheads around you, you're spending the wrong time because you cannot change people. That's the trouble. So many people want to change. They marry someone and say, oh, I'll just change them when I get married. Uh, like it's bad. not hard enough to change ourselves. Are they kidding? I mean, <laughs> you know what? Making reference to your teenage kids. I'm not, I don't know them. I don't know what they're like. I don't want to call them out on the carpet in front of everybody in the world. But, you know, we also get the kids we get. You know, everyone seems to think that if you just play it right, your kids can be perfect. Well, you know, here again, where's, where's that definition come from? Yeah. So what I've learned, and it's really hard, I'll be honest, it's really hard, especially when it comes to when you're out there in the world and yeah. you see people. Um, I'll tell you one of the greatest lessons that happened in my life, and I'll make this a very short story, happened when I was already a successful speaker. Because I was so successful, I was on a nine-day, 10-city road trip, going back, I would guess, somewhere maybe in the neighborhood of 10 years ago. Now, maybe not quite that long, but you'll understand why I bring this up in about five seconds here. Because it involved an expression that we've all heard before that I'd never, ever heard in my life. And that is the words, it is what it is. I was traveling. I got to Chicago. There was a snowstorm. My flight was canceled to come back to Canada. There was no hotels available. My luggage didn't come back from the carousel. People were standing in line at midnight trying to rebook their flights, and everybody was just in a bitchy mood. Oh, so yes. Not, not the best version of human beings in those scenarios. So guess what happened to Mr. Idealistic Alvin? I got sucked into that energy. Well, it is I complete just felt it. So I called my wife that you made reference to a bit here back in Calgary. It was my business partner. And I, you know, I was angry. She actually hung up on me. Five seconds into the call, she said, call me back when you can have some manners. So I called her back and I was mad again. Like, now, you're, now I'm really mad. So she goes, okay, take two, take three. There will be no other take after that. You can just take care of yourself tonight. So I took a breath, went for a little walk, sat in a corner and phoned her and explained my situation. And the long story short, or as my wife would say, too late, was she said, look around you at people's behavior. Do you want to be like that? Yeah. Or do you want to be a better person than that? So what really the final chapter of the story, which is just kills me, is I said, well, what, what would you expect me to do in this basic scenario? She goes, Alvin, can you change the fact there's a snowstorm? No. Can you change the fact that your luggage is missing and I'm probably sure it'll show up, honey? No. Can you change the fact that there's no place to stay? Although I bet you if you use your charm, you'll be able to get a room. And can you change the fact that you made a decision, my dear, to be a speaker and this is what you get for what you hope for? Honey, oh, it is what good. it is. Isn't that good? And I'm sitting there like, okay, that was really good. But you know what? We hadn't used the expression in society yet. It was brand new. Why? Because my wife has always read brand new stuff. New material, new ideas on philosophy, on spirituality. I look at the posters on your wall. I mean, we've got those all over our house. Why? Because we believe in things that in my, I love this expression. I call it the woo-woo. So know, I, woo -woo. I call what I do is the woo and do for that exact reason. Yeah. Exactly. So the point of that story is that was in uh, like about 10 years ago. By the end of that night, because I changed my approach, I didn't get angry anymore. I took a breath. I put on my smile. I walked up to the counter. And the first thing I said to the, the, the gate agent who was getting abused by everybody that night, I went, boy, 
do you ever look like you need a hug? And she looked at me and she said, well, I guess you're not giving me one, honey. She was this big black lady. And it was hilarious because you had to be in the moment. And then she looked at me and she goes, oh, I'm sorry. That was uncalled for. And I said, I hear you. I can't even imagine your day. Can I still get a hug? I walked around the side of the counter. She put her arms around me, gave me a big hug, went back to the counter, had tears in her eyes. And she said, you're the first person to even care about me today. Now, how hard is that to do? By the end of 10 minutes, I was booked on the next flight the next morning in business class back to Calgary. She made a call to the lady who ran the Hilton Hotel. If anyone knows O'Hare Airport, there's a Hilton Hotel right across the sidewalk. She got me a suite for the night. And when I checked into that hotel, I got given to me by the manager a bottle of wine and a cheese tray because the kitchen was closed. Then try making that phone call to your wife saying, hmm, this is an interesting concept. So that's my point is that you've got to be willing to live in this. It is what it is world, not the way that some people call it. And that is giving up. Oh, it is what it is. I give up. No, it is what it is. I can't change the fact that I was born without arms, but I can change the way that I live my life without arms, not because of some formula, not because of some self-help book, but because if we trust our gut, like I said, a couple of times already, we know the truth about ourselves. but we will never find the truth about ourselves if we're living like a victim. It just doesn't work. Hallelujah. I mean, seriously, I could just, that's, yes, all of that right there. All of that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you oh. because we all need the reminder. You need, you know, and each day, like we said, I think we said it. Yeah, I said it. I'm trying to remember what we said on camera. When we, before we pressed record, we were talking about the choices that we make and the fact that it is a choice every day. So you can have a good day or a bad day in each moment. Just because yesterday was good doesn't make today good or vice versa. So what does a bad quote unquote mood look like to Alvin? There's no way you're happy all the time, even in idealism. I'm sure there are challenges. I'm sure there's frustration. So what does a bad mood look like for you? I think a bad mood looks like just the frustration of living in a world that is so navel gazing. Mm. And it just makes me Ooh, That's such a great way to say it. But it is because we're, we're so busy, you know, I'm, I'm going I'm to show you something that all of us probably think is the most important thing in the world. And that is this, my little device, you got one there too. Okay. Well, so, you know, what's very interesting is that I, I, uh, I don't, I'm, I don't use this. I can't carry it. Right. I can't put it in my hand and walk down the sidewalk looking at it. I can't put it in my back pocket and reach for it every time. It's it makes probably one of your greatest gifts. <laughs> totally is. And to be quite honest, that's why I brought it up is that I think what I have to get honest with myself about is it's okay to get mad. It's okay to get mad. It's one of the greatest things I own in my life is I can get mad in this house. And it may sometimes even erupt into an argument between my wife and I, we've all been there, done that. But you know, what's ironic is both my wife and I are very passionate about things. So there's only one place you can blow off your steam and that's with people that you share your life with. Yes. If the people you share your life with don't understand that, I'm not trying to create a, a, a psychology moment here. You need to have conversations about that because the trouble is people blow off their steam in public and they forget that people are watching. My dad used to say, Alvin, here's the best gauge for your behavior in life. You get noticed. Everybody will look at you. Everybody will watch you. So perfect example, this just happened a few years ago. Uh, Calgary's a busy city, not like New York. I'm driving, I drive a car, by the way, I steer with my right foot on the wheel and my left foot on the gas, so it's not a special car. But because of that, I'm really, really anal about shitty drivers. Yeah. I can't stand people that don't drive well. 
because they're mostly doing this while they're driving, you know, or they're having a conversation or even worse, they don't take driving seriously. Well, can you imagine how many hoops I had to go through to get my license? So I'm very judgmental of other drivers in stupid ways. So we live down the street from two schools. In Canada here, uh, we have a 30 kilometer an hour school zone speed, which would be somewhere around 15 miles an hour, okay? You have to slow down, that's not uncommon anywhere in the world. People speed down our street all the time and we live on a street, so I get very annoyed with them. There's that, it is what it is. You can't, what am I gonna stand in front of their car, in front of their car on the road and say stop? They won't anyway, they'll probably honk you on. <laughs> but here, this is a great story. So this guy is following me through a school zone right on my bumper. He's actually trying to pass me in a school zone and I got really upset. So I slowed down to five miles an hour. Oh, I do. Really? Yeah, he's just leaning on the horn, leaning on the horn. By the way, what's with that leaning on the horn in New York, people? Really? Anyway. It's automatic. Leaning and leaning and leaning. So I pulled into my driveway and the guy actually stops his car and gets out to approach me. He's gonna, he's gonna challenge me. I get out of my car and he sees that I've got no arms and his reaction and the mood and the moment changed. But isn't it interesting, how many times do we hear about road rage oh, yeah. where actually people die? Is it really worth it to get mad at somebody because they cut you off or they didn't let you in? That was a huge lesson in my life to learn. And here's another thing Darlene taught me that day. We talked about it, she was really mad at me. And she had a right to be mad at me. I was acting like an asshole. I love but your wife. Said, but she said, here's the line. She says, Alvin, she goes, that was so wrong in so many ways. And I'm arguing because I'm right. You know, I'm right. I can't, I can't let people drive like that. I gotta, 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 gotta be Mr. Cop. I gotta be Mr. Cop. And she goes, so a voice of reason for a moment, dear. How do you know that that guy driving that very expensive car, it's a BMW actually, isn't the CEO that you're working for next week for that banking company downtown? And you started your relationship off in a way that you didn't see coming because here's life. You never know who you're going to run into in a negative moment and then see them the next day because they're your new boss or they're your new neighbor or they're your new teacher. You know, you have to always be aware of your own behavior because guess what? The only one that control it is you and showing off anger and hostility is not at all an honorable thing. Perfectly said. Darlene, you're good, Darlene. You're Darlene. <laughs> um, okay, so we're going to move into, I could talk to you for hours. We're going to move into the quick fire round of this. So for anyone listening, I work in this maverick life in the five areas of life. So I'm going to throw out a word for you, and I want you to throw something back, an association, either something that frustrates you about the category we're speaking about, something you shine in, or something you want to work on, because the whole point of this podcast is to show the humanity of, we all don't rock everything. I personally don't believe in balance because then all we're doing is juggling plates all the time. So we're going to rock in some areas and we're going to suck in others. It's part of being a human and it's where we get to do our work. Are you ready? Absolutely. I'm ready. I need like a game show gong or something. Okay. Yeah, we're going to start with self. Self-worth is not judged by the things you own, but by the things you take for granted. Boom. Alvinisms. That's a good one. Albinisms. I've got five of them. There's, a, there's actually a book that I wrote about this called Alvin's Laws of Life. You're kidding. Attitude, I need to get the book. Learning, valuing your life and spirit. You get it. Al- attitude, learning, valuing your life and spirit, imagination, and never giving up. Those are the five tenets of my life. But as an Alvinism, I would say there's tons of them because right. that's what I do. 
I come up with memorable moments on stage, in my books, in my blogs, that hopefully twig a person to remind themselves of what they really need to be thankful for. Gorgeous. Number two, we've got relationships. Relationships are the most underutilized category of any maverick or any human being on planet Earth. We set our bar really high to achieve greatness in business, in, uh, in, in academics, in, in any category you can name, and then we marry the worst person on the planet because we never ever thought that maybe that would be the most important thing to start with, not the last. Ooh, very true. It's also our greatest mirror of growth, isn't it? Absolutely. Who we spend time with dictates the outcomes of our lives. Number three, business. Business does not have a game plan. A lot of people say, what kind of planning do you do? I don't do any planning. I tell people, if you want to do business properly, you can read from people like Warren Buffett or any of the great business leaders. But at the end of the day, most business success doesn't come from an MBA, but from just talent, dedication, and really hard work. Gorgeous. Gorgeous and true. And there's no sexy shortcut. It just, it just doesn't happen. Nope. Being a good human amongst all of it. Number four, we've got well-being. I'm excited to hear this one from you. Well-being comes from living in a state of gratitude. Whether people want to hear this and feel comfortable with it or not, too bad. <laughs> when I live my life without arms, I take nothing for granted. Here's a challenge for your audience. The next time you want to whine about something, go to the bathroom and don't use your hands and see how far you get. And then remind yourself, maybe it's not that bad after all. Mm, very true. And lastly, creativity, which I guess would speak to your imagination, same sort of thing. You know what? In, in, my, in my chapter about imagination, what I really believe in is that imagination defines the difference between obstacles and possibilities. Mm. That's the key. Because when we think of the possibilities of our life, you know, I mean, it's true. You, you, I'm looking at this sign right behind you. Imagine with all your mind, believe with all your heart and achieve with all. What is the rest of it? There's nothing. Achieve with all. Yep. With all. Okay. That's perfect. But that's kind of my point is that, you know, at the end of the day, our imagination should never be taken for granted because we, it, it is the active part of our soul. What's really interesting is I think for most people, the energy they expel by making excuses and believing what they see in front of them as the only option is the same energy, probably even less, that it would take to go the opposite way and expand into possibility and play that what if game we did when we were little, you know, walking to school, you pretend yeah. you're in a spaceship, makes the road a lot more fun. It isn't gonna change how long it takes you to get there, but it's what do you want to do with that time and energy you have? And I think people are like, oh, well, I don't have the time for it. Well, how much time do we waste moaning and believing what isn't true? make something new for yourself. Because as you know, the mind will create and believe whatever you put in front of it. So it's, it's, we're just led, you know, we are animals at the end of the day. So we will believe whatever we decide is true. Do you notice how much people have said they're less, uh, they have less time, they're more busy? Uh, newsflash, society has not changed. These things have changed our lives. And again, I'm not disparaging them. It's a wonderful thing. When I met Steve Wozniak, we had a fascinating conversation. He actually took a video of me using my iPad with my toes. Oh, I love it. Then a video back, as he called it, I love this line. I got to send this to the nerds at the Geek Lab in Palo Alto. Oh, I didn't know he calls them that too. It. I thought just we called them that. <laughs> he calls them that too. Because the idea behind a lot of technology today was based on an idea of creating more simple solutions for people with disabilities. A lot of people don't know that. That's how a lot of technology started. Point is that I think at the end of the day, 
we have a choice of what time we spend on these things. Yes. And, I, and I'm not, I'm, by the way, I'm not a workaholic. I agree with you about the balance thing. Balance is, a, is an overused expression. We have to do what, was, what is comfortable in our world. But the point is that too much of this time spent on these things is not spent on productive time. Yeah. You know, we need to be productive. We, you know, you're dead on. Let's be honest about this. You can dream all you want. But if you want to succeed, let's just use one perfect example that I'm sure everybody knows about. It's just a name out of a hat. How did LeBron James come to be such a remarkable basketball player when he grew up with a single mom in the projects? Mm -hmm. How did that happen? Well, geez, he might have practiced a couple of times. To me, that's the bottom Once line. Once or twice, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we think we're going to be successful just if we, if we find the right people on here that we can be friends with, mm -hmm. if we can find the right book to read. No, 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 no. At the end of the day, do the frickin' work. Yes. When it's hard, too. Absolutely. And, you know, the other thing is to really understand that it is in your choice to live how you want to live, regardless of what you've been handed, what's been taken away from you, and every experience in between will mold that resiliency you spoke to earlier, that decision to be more, that decision to see that polarity in the world you want, that polarity that you have out in the world that you want something else of, step by step by step. It's not a magical one quick road. And here's the other thing, too, that I think a lot of people forget about is that um, this is a really perfect example on my life. I had to learn to do everything with my feet. That's not the honorable side of my life. The honorable side of my life is when my mom said, failure is the foundation of your future success. She wasn't being a Tony Robbins. This was a farm wife who decided to have kids in her home because they had empty bedrooms. She had a very worker-like mentality. But the honesty of all of this is that I failed at everything, everything, because nothing is designed for a guy without arms. So when you learn that failure is not a bad thing, and by the way, I'm not talking about failure because you didn't put in the work or failure because you didn't study or failure because you didn't make the team. I mean, my God, we could go on, like you said, we could talk for hours. I think the bottom line is that we need to be very, very aware that this takes hard work, but it also takes failure. And in failure you, failure, you find out what you can do better. I mean, that's just a fact. And it sounds very trite. But, you know, I was interviewing someone the other day and we were saying, you know, you don't learn to ride a bicycle with arms and legs by watching on YouTube, by reading a book, by deciding something. You have to get on and fall off. You had to play your instruments and feel ridiculous and not know you were doing till you could figure out a way to do it. I mean, it's just amazing what you can anyone can accomplish when they set their mind to it. And I... I hope, I know that I'm not, I know you know I'm not doing, doing this to be um, disrespectful, but you don't see yourself as a victim and you don't see yourself as anyone special. You went through the road you, need to, you needed to go on to find out what you needed to be a stronger you. Everyone has that road, but they have to choose it in order to decide to go on it. So, so if we're going to an absolutely honest example, I was very, very, like everybody else in the world, floored when the World Trade Center towers went down. That is still a memory, especially for New Yorkers. It is not, I'm not meant to, I'm not trying to bring up something sensitive or, or emotional. There are victims. Yes. Let's be very clear about this. There are victims. There's people that have been victimized. The real stories out of Me Too, and I'm, I'm comparing the real stories to the ones that might be a little bit contrived. Let's be blunt about that too. There's real victims. Real people get affected by life. I mean, in the news today, there's a story of a mother and a little seven-year-old girl here in Calgary that were murdered because a guy got angry with the mom. 
uh, strangled her and then had to strangle the little girl because she would have been a witness. Her family are in court now watching this whole thing unfold in the media and in the public. Those families have been victimized. Let's not sugarcoat this. But the fact of the matter is, this is the price of being human. You know, my dad often said to me, there's a great line. I don't know how much time we've got left. But there's a great line my dad said to me when I was 14 and being hypersensitive about everybody looking at me. And I wanted to eat a burger in a restaurant with my foot. Let's picture this in your audience because I have my foot in front of the camera. Eating a burger gets noticed, especially when you lick your toes off. Mm, that's my favorite part. I was never would have done that as a teenager. So my dad's theory was, my dad was a great guy too, by the way. He was awesome. My dad said, okay, there's two ideas then, son. First idea, you don't have to leave the house ever again. You can quit school. You can live in the basement. Your mother can throw toast down to you every day so you don't starve. And then that way you don't have to ever see another human being for the rest of your life. So I looked at my dad at 14 years old and went, well, that's stupid. And dad went, that is stupid, son. You will be noticed. So the sooner you deal with that, the better. And frankly, you can be a great example as well. So you've got to learn to get over yourself and start realizing that you were born for a reason, my son. You may not like the reason, but you got no choice. Just thank you. Thank You're you welcome. for sharing this with me. Thank you for letting me share you with everyone else. Um, it is a real honor because of Alvin, not because of anything else. Um, I like to be around energy like this, so this is just incredible for me. I, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Uh, just to wrap up, where can people learn more about you? Where can people find you, find out where you'll be, what you're up to? All of the Alvin things, share with us. It's all at just alvinlaw.com. And the one downside of my world of travel and speaking is I don't do public events. That may come down the road, but if people want to learn about my story uh, or read the book, the book's only available at alvinlaw.com. We don't sell it on Amazon or any other bookstores. But I think at the end of the day, what I always tell people is read my story, learn my story, but share my story. Not because of social media, but because there's always somebody out there that needs to be reminded we're all pretty lucky. Absolutely. I love it. And my final question for you is, what's your favorite food? I love hamburgers. Yeah, I was figuring it was going to be a burger thing because yeah, you yeah. earned your burger eating. So it had to be a burger. Thank you. I just, there's something about them. I love the taste. I love the, the, the simplicity. Um, my wife, my wife often says, well, no, but you, you like ribs better. Ribs are messier. Ribs Burgers. are very messy. Burgers are pretty messy too, but ribs is like a full body experience. <laughs> Not only it, when eating with your feet. <laughs> that's right. And you know, what's really funny too, is that's another thing is that I was always embarrassed to eat with my feet in public until again, very special people in my life, way even before my wife said, if they can't handle it, that's their freaking problem. They can look away. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for this honor. Um, I you. just, I, I'm rarely speechless. I just thank you. Thank you. This is beautiful. Thank you. This is how I do my namaste. Just there you like go. That. Namaste. There you go. Namaste. Take care. And that's a wrap on another episode of the Mavericks in Motion podcast. Thanks for hanging out with us. Don't forget to head over to subscribe and leave a review for us. And if you want to know how to capture your own Maverick, head to sharryteegman.com and grab a $1 14-day trial in our membership, Maverick Life Unleashed. See you in the next show.